you have no guarantee that tomorrow is going to come neither for them nor for you. Mm -hmm. What can I do today to show them I love them? And love doesn't mean pampering. Love sometimes means having that heart-to-heart conversation, especially if you have someone close to you doing foolishness, (laughs) you know? But it's the, the important thing is to do everything in love. How can I make your life better? Welcome to the What Next Podcast, hosted by Sean Reed, where we pay it forward through conversations. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey to discover what's next for you. Angel, how is your mental health today? My mental health, I would say about 94%. Um, yeah, which is good. <laughs> it's good. That's very good. It's it's pretty good. Um, but one may ask, I would ask, why not a hundred? Mm-hmm. You know, um, just check the news. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I was actually scrolling through um, the Instagram and just looking for the headlines, looking at the headlines. So it kind of gets to you each day, um, and it's not that you're in a bad place. It's just the the reality you know, around us. Um, and we're humans. Whether we are close to it or far from it, you can't help but have parts of you affected by it. So that's the, the difference for me today. But other than that, I'm actually I'm actually good. Yeah. I'm actually good. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. So I naturally watch the news, and I won't say it doesn't affect me, but I like to watch it or listen to it or read it because I want to be informed. Right. Right. But you're right. Um, in the last what couple of weeks, you had that Tyree Nichols thing in the states, you know, kid just being beaten like Ronnie King, you know, and then on Tuesday, um, a someone who I grew up with here in Jamaica was killed, right? And it's it's so you know in your head you're like okay. Everybody's like, Jamaica is not safe, it's run somewhere. Then a lot of Jamaicans run to America. America's not safe either. Nowhere is safe. <laughs> and that's scary. Safe. Exactly. <laughs> and it's scary. And it, it makes yeah. you wonder, how can you live in just genuine peace and comfort? And that's a big concern I have, you know, because you don't want to be living somewhere and be wondering about A, being targeted, whether you're being specifically targeted for something or be like in America being mass targeted because it's happened to be at a school or a movie right. theater. And it's very scary. It is. Um, I think times have gotten scarier um, than probably when we were growing up. You know, things were happening, but it's it's not just close to home. It's 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 magnitude, it's type. Um and I don't think anyone now can safely say that they have a haven that is natural. Um, and it's one of the realization um, that I have to face, I've had to face, that there is no safe place um, other than being at peace with God. And even then, even when you're in Christ, even as a Christian, Sean, it's not that everything is Christian curry. It's not that you don't go through hard times. It's not that you're not facing challenges. It's not that people in your family are not sick and you're not experiencing death. 
you are going through everything that everybody else experiences, but there is a but. You know, there is the, what I call that underlining assurance um, that whatever happens will work for good. And work for good doesn't mean hunky-dory, perfect, pleasing, comfortable, right? It means that there is some benefit that will be derived from it. So there is some growth that can take place in a storm, in a rough season, in a breaking. Um, there is the assurance that there is a life after. And you think, oh my God, I have to contemplate death <laughs> to think of life after. But the truth is, it's one thing to live and face the, the scares and the threats of, of living. But then there's also what happens after death. You know, we don't really like those conversations, but especially with your friend, he would not have expected that to happen. Correct. He has his plans. He, um, he's what, 42? Mm-hmm. 42 years old, young. Um, you just don't have that expectation. And so we don't have the luxury anymore of not considering what happens after. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID took a lot of people yeah a lot of loved ones really cannot avoid wondering what happens after and and so there is a a measured assurance a measured safety um christians also have like psalm 91 that we hold on to you know he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and it promises a lot of stuff in there that, you know, people may be falling at your side, but you will be secure. Um, and it's that secret place. That is the secret place that exists now. And life is just proving that there is no other secret place to dwell in other than the one that God provides, you know. Um, does that make it optimistic for us who, who are still naturally minded, still operating in the world, still trying to piece things together. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make it easier to process, but it's a reality. It's something that we all have to face. Um, denying it, ignoring it, doesn't mean it's not real. A while ago, you said something which is really true. We all have to face it. And I'll be very honest. I will find myself thinking about death, about not being here, and yes, I'm a Christian, I have my beliefs, etc. But just being here in a natural sense, I'm like, what does that mean? Like genuinely get scared, like yeah. genuinely get afraid. So if I don't wake up, then what? <laughs> that is extremely scary. Yeah, I mean, and it's both sides. What happens to me after, but then what happens to my family? Mm-hmm. You know, how would they manage um, my siblings, my parents? Um, it's a lot to contemplate. Um, death is not my favorite topic, generally. Um, I, in fact, I clam up when it comes on <laughs> to that topic. Yeah. Not because I can't talk about it, but it's, it's the emotions that are associated. And even if you die in Christ, the persons who remain have to deal with that process of you were here today, you're not here you've been by my side, then you're not here anymore. Um, And in a world that's so noisy and busy, those changes 
affect you really seriously. Um, but it's the reality, as you were saying. We really cannot avoid but ask the question and consider, even if death comes tomorrow, am I safe? Yeah. You know, am I safe? Is my family safe? Am I doing what I can do now to ensure that I'm okay? You know? It's, it's deep. It's deep. It's, it's deep. deep. And for me, one of the one of the I won't say disappointing but it, it's a disappointing feeling are friends who I would have lost at a younger age and it's like every time you do something in life or you just live life you're like wow they missed out on all of this yeah they missed out on driving a car getting married <laughs> having kids Sim the simple things yeah. you know they missed out on there are stuff that I remember a very good friend of mine again the same crew of people that we grew up with who he passed away and I was like we played so much Nintendo together and if you were able to see a PlayStation 4 you know that would be so awesome simple thing but he has never got to see that he's never got to see that it's, it's so simple but I generally as we get older I think about the younger persons who pass away who just are unable to get to see the quote unquote simple things in life so this is what this is the the partner that um, is encouraging. It's the live every day, like it's your last. Mm -hmm. So for those of us who are living and we are reflecting and we're seeing, it's now for us to say and to adjust our lives to ensure that every day matters. You know that that if it's tomorrow for us, at least. I wouldn't have any regrets right. if I were to sit down and look back at my own life. People on the outside may not know and they may say, oh my God, you never made it to marriage. You missed out on all of that. But I can still be satisfied where I am if I know within myself that I lived my life to the fullest as much as I could mm -hmm. based on what I had. And I think that's the message that death leaves to those of us who are living. It's not meant to cripple us with fear I, I believe that the takeaway from these experiences would be one take your life serious you know consider that secret place the only secret place that could actually exist consider it see, um, seriously but also make your life meaningful today you know let every day count don't take your family for granted don't take your loved ones for granted. Don't take your staff for granted. Don't take your friends for granted. Don't take your helper for granted, right? And and how can I leave a mark that's positive every single time I get a chance? How can I put a smile on somebody's face? Because that may be the last opportunity you get to impact them. Um, and though we're talking about death, there are other things in life. People going through struggles, yeah. hardships, challenges, yeah. trials, temptations. And we tend to be a little bit selfish as a people. And um, one of the things that we need to learn about this season is that we need to make the best effort to make another person's life better. 
in as much power that, as, as we have. Um, dealing with people at the work, the work is important, but that's a soul. And a soul cannot be less valuable than a job. Your job is important, you know. Who says you can't have it both ways? You can get the job done, but you can also be a good person to yeah. the person that you're working with. Um, it's the same thing with family. And family, I think it's easy if you're not intentional to take for granted because they're there. They just come in like the paint on the wall, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. So it's so easy to take them for granted if you're not intentional about it. But it's like pause. You have no guarantee that tomorrow is going to come neither for them nor for you. Mm-hmm. What can I do today to show them I love them? And love doesn't mean pampering. Love sometimes means having that heart-to-heart conversation, especially if you have someone close to you doing foolishness, you know? Yeah. But it's the, the important thing is to do everything in love. How can I make your life better? You know, how can I see you being sad and not, you know, try to bring come some kind of some kind of chair? So it's it's that, and and um, even though the death and the the struggles and the stress is real, it's now the takeaway. Okay, now that we're seeing this, what are we gonna do better as a people? How are we gonna help each other in the process? How are we gonna make the most of the time that we are sure of? What time is that now? So it's interesting. So I think that we have. A natural need to want to feel to cycle so when something is new we need to right so you have a new friend I need to impress them I need to do something yeah. cool and then okay they are friends they are part of the circle I want to spend time with them I want to hang out with them and as I said like with the family example they're the paint of the wall now so I will do something if I feel to yeah and so I just need to want to feel to cycle where as time progresses, as someone gets more familiar, um, or yearning or urge to do something cool for them or to care for them or to love on them kind of dissipates. It does. And unfortunately, until something bad happens, that need, that need to come around again. True. And so how do we keep it into at least a high want to? you know consistently mm-hmm. so that people don't feel as you said taken advantage of yeah or unappreciated you know i call it the the other side i would say the new toy syndrome so <laughs> you know something yeah. fresh comes along or something new and you just you can't stop but done it yeah. <laughs> you know until it becomes familiar and then the passion goes um and i think it's just human nature because we see it happen all the time we see it with kids. You give yeah. them a new toy and everything about the toy. When they get used to it, they fling it down. So as human beings, again, Sean, it's looking at the things that we see. Some of them will have questions. That don't make no sense. Why would that? No, but the family are just, it's supposed to be the one that we, we, we give most attention to, but we don't do it naturally. What are these signs telling us that we actually have to make an effort in this area to correct it? So if we become lazy and go with the flow, the flow will always be take for granted the persons who are around us. Um, We have to go against the flow, right? Um, We have to go against what is natural for us and be intentional. You know, we always hear that term, be intentional, be um, 
deliberate in what you're doing, you know, be mindful. Surviving, especially in these times, require that skill, right? And presence makes a difference because it's when you're present, it's when you're mindful, it's, 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 it's when you, you stop that you can recognize, no, what I'm doing here makes no sense. I'm putting priority on something new when something faithful is taken for granted. Because when we talk about it, we know, but when we're in it, we're guilty of doing it. And it's only when we remain present and mindful, Sean, that we can stop ourselves you know, in the track and correct or go against what is a natural flow for us. Um, and that's an answer for a lot of things that we need to do in life. But we have been socialized. Um, we have the Jamaica no problem kind of um, attitude. And so we find that we go a lot with the flow, but the flow is not going in the right direction. Do you think that it's human nature so I always look at my daughter and I say, wow, when I was growing up, whenever two o'clock and three o'clock came on JBC and Punchinella started and Pink Panther and all these cartoons, I was excited. Yeah. Nothing could tear me away because I was like, this is it. I need to focus for the next one hour until I'm three late. Until I'm- <laughs> and I was focused. Now I see her... I don't know. Paw Patrol comes on. She, she chooses Paw Patrol at any time of day, right. right? On YouTube or Netflix or wherever it comes on. And then 10 seconds later, oh, I'm born, next episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how? Oh, how is it? And I said to her, you know, when I was your age, <laughs> I had a two hour window. That was it. You have all of this information, all of these cartoons at your disposal. And so I always wonder, is it human nature for us to get bored with things quickly and not be able to appreciate it? It is human nature. And I think boredom comes when there is ready availability. So the more um, available something is, is the easier we will become bored and take it for granted as we're talking about. So they have so much available to them. It's too much. (laughs) It's too much. much. Not to mention that their senses, like all their senses have been activated. Um, So even just to to keep them occupied, it takes a whole lot more constantly changing um, scenes and colors and stuff like that to excite them. Um, That's the culture now. They're really not like what we are. So because there is this, this open up of this, the information age and the, the internet and the social media and, you know, at your fingertips kind of an entertainment, then we see it a little bit more obvious where boredom is going to kick in even more. One would never have thought that makes sense, right? Your thinking with more options should mean you're not supposed to be bored. We're satisfied. We're satisfied. No, sir. <laughs> That's not the human nature. <laughs> so with less things we can actually become more focused with less things you actually become more focused you know and let me put another one to you boundaries people always feel that they don't want to be limited and they want freedom to do whatever 
And then you don't realize that with freedom, you will not have a rich life. Because when there, is, when there are no limits, you can't enjoy. We need boundaries. You know, we need limitations. We need some form of restriction to actually have true enjoyment. So what happens when people say you're supposed to break the glass ceiling and push the boundaries so you can achieve more and do more than your previous generation? Right. Is that the same thing? Is that a contradiction? I don't think it's the same thing because um, there are different types of, of boundary lines. Um, there is the boundary line of achievement. And I believe that because of who God is and how vast he is as his image bearers, as his, as his children, it means we have that available to us. And so there really isn't a ceiling in terms of accomplishment, um, in terms of achievements, in terms of creating new efficiencies, creativity, making life more advanced, by all means, break those ceilings. But now when we're talking about a level of order, when we're talking about community and living in the same space with everybody wanting very different things, everybody having different opinions, can you imagine if there were no boundaries? <laughs> Chaos. Right? Sabotage. Like, we will destroy each other. So there is a place for boundaries. There's an importance um, to have boundary lines in certain areas. But then there is also a place for challenges. Okay. You know? So it's not a general room rule to say boundaries are bad. No. What type of boundaries are we talking mm. about? You know? Okay, cool. Andrew, I know that you have two books. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> One recently launched, correct? Yes. yes okay, yes, so yes. A, what's the name of your first book and your second book? So my first book, which was published in what, 2020, oh. is um, Self Lead to Progress. Um, how to push yourself forward into greatness, success, and well-being. Um, the second one, is wake, wait, walk, the journey of one who answered his call. Um, and in an interesting way, they actually follow each other. Okay. So the first book um, speaks to my season of leaping. <laughs> okay. Um, so it covers the period of when I walked away from corporate life and went over that cliff, <laughs> right? Against my natural instincts, my nature, in pursuit of purpose, meaning, healing. And, and, and so the first book covers what I call a very small role, but very important role, self-leadership, right? Um, there is a place where leadership of self is important. And then once, once, you, once you've made that move, then self-leadership takes you to a place of submission. So it's a different kind of leadership. So normally we think of leadership as being, you know, you're running the place and you're, you're, you're doing boss. your thing, you're the boss. But leadership is also knowing when to submit, when to obey, when to seek help, 
right? Um, that's what true leadership is. And so the first book speaks about making a change after recognizing the truth of your reality. So I was toxic. I was in a mess. I was desperate. I was having horrible um, symptoms that did not speak life abundance or peace and joy. And I recognized something is wrong. Didn't? And this was, this was during the corporate life. Yes, so. <laughs> and so. And so at this point, you, you're in the corporate world when you're feeling this way. And it's through those feelings that you felt it's time to step up into something new. It, it wasn't so much step to something new. It was more a uh, Houston, we have a problem. Okay. And it wasn't a sudden problem. It would have been a problem that would have been growing over time. But then everything in life grows, whether it's good or bad. So you recognize a problem, you sweep it under the, the, the mat. Um, all that happens is that it either takes a different form or shape or it grows itself. Um, it creates further problems for you. And so after a while, problems from childhood, issues from childhood, um, further problems as you're growing up, making bad decisions for the wrong reasons, everything now merging together, <laughs> right? And it's like one pressure pot. Like everything was just off. And it's like I got to the stage where I'm like, no, I'm going to lose my mind or somebody's going to lose themselves <laughs> or somebody's going to lose their life if I continue on this path. And it's just getting to the stage where I realize I need help. How did you know that it was I need to leave corporate versus I need to leave this specific job or this specific role or this specific right. company? So I knew, I knew enough that the issue was me. I knew enough um, that, yeah, things around me aren't perfect, but I am the center of my control. Um, and I could see, I can, I can observe myself. I can see the, in, I'm experiencing the insomnia. I'm experiencing the taking medication, trying to, sh to sleep um, just to get a rest. Um, they're not working, moving to another one. Um, you're experiencing the intolerance, snapping at people, the mood swings. Um, you're seeing yourself doing things that you wouldn't have done years ago because you set some standards and now you're breaking and you're breaching your own standards. After a while, you kind of feel sick of looking at yourself and it's kind of obvious that you are. Um, a significant part of the problem. Not that corporate is grand, mm -hmm. but if you are off and corporate is off, that's a worse off. <laughs> <laughs> agreed, agreed. Right. So um, walking away was because I knew the fix was major. The fix was major. And I also knew staying, especially because um, I would have been an executive those workloads aren't light. And if you need the time and the space, you, you just can't juggle the two. Yeah. You know, if effectively. Um, as well as purpose. 
there was a sense of, yeah, I want to work and I want to earn money and I want to take care of my daughter um, and I want to live a decent enough life. But where's the purpose? Where's the meaning? Where's the significance? Where's the con- what's the contribution I'm making to the next generation? What am I, the contribution I'm making to my nation? There, were, there, there, there was also those questions for me, Sean, and this feeling of this can't be, it. There, there has to be more than just working for an organization. Um, I have so much to give. Um, This just isn't it. So I had all of those feelings um, contemplating and dealing with. So it's a combination of both. I am in a horrible state, but then I'm I'm yearning for something that's missing that I can't even articulate or point at. Um, There's a void that is there. There is an unsettledness um, you know, a restlessness that was, was existing. And again, I don't know the answer, but I know there's a problem, you know? So it, it required something major. So that's interesting. I do believe that many of us, including myself, have those same thoughts, have those same considerations as it relates to, I know that what I'm doing now isn't what I genuinely want to do. It's not the answer. But the way I see it, it's like you're on this cliff, right? That is kind of crumbling, mm-hmm. but it's kind of stable. Yeah. It's rainy. It rains every day. It's not the best, but the cliff is there. There's a cliff. There's another cliff over there mm-hmm. that looks looks nice. It looks like what you want, the future version of you, mm-hmm. right? But to get from cliff A to cliff B. Right, you have That's to run, <laughs> jump, um, parachute. You have to do something, or, cl- or go down the hill, or go down the hill and climb back up the cliff. Yeah. So that's my question to you: Did you start to build a bridge or build a parachute while on Cliff A, or did you just pull the plug and just walk down Cliff A and walk up Cliff B? That's literally what I did. Um. So let me just insert quickly. Because we're able to paint these scenarios. Every situation is not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody's response is not going to be the same. So, you know, I'm sharing my particular scenario, not to say it's a standard mm-hmm. for anybody else. I walked down the cliff. <laughs> right? So I walked down the cliff. And anybody with logics and common sense would say, what? <laughs> That's just unheard of. With a child. And I have a child, right? And I have a, I would have been accustomed to a particular lifestyle and everything. You know? So not only that, it was contrary to my nature, I'm an accountant by <laughs> profession, Sean. The most least risk-taking people exactly, in the world. Right? I know my budgets in advance. I know what I spend in the past. I account for everything. Yeah. Right? I can't give you an idea of what I'm going to do five months down the line, a year down the line. And for the first time in my life, which is why I think I knew it was the best time, I did everything contrary to me. And when I look back at it, I say, you know what? I did everything in line with me and I ended up in a mess. So guess what? If I'm going to fix me, it means I'm going to have to start doing some stuff right. contrary to me. Right. And um, I'm saying it now in hindsight and smiling, <laughs> right? It was a different thing going through the process. Yeah. 
But I basically came off the cliff. And uh, I didn't even have another cliff. But God. You went searching. I went searching for God. Okay. And God constructed, little by little, and still constructing my cliff for me. And um, the second book kind of picks up on when things started to make sense. <laughs> right? When things started to make sense. Um, and the process I've been going through with him, again, this is not necessarily, it's not standard. Right. Everybody's situation is going to be different. Um, but he be just began constructing a totally different cliff. It wasn't one that I was seeing and eyeing. I really didn't have a cliff in my mind, Sean. It's almost like I'm not the girl with the dream and the picket friends or whatever else. It's like I just want where I'm supposed to be. And I didn't know what that was. And um, I would more be interested in this is how I want to live my life. Like I don't need like this amount of rooms and story of a house. I just need to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. I need to have, you know, a reasonable security system. I need to be able to go to the supermarket and buy my food. You know, I'm like a modest life. <laughs> um, so that would be the thing that I would prescribe before. So this journey is nothing like what I would have wanted. When, how many years ago did this journey start? Did you walk out of corporate? I left corporate December thirty first, two thousand and eighteen. Okay. So we are talking about this is the fourth year. Yeah. Um since that I have done like a lot of retraining. I have changed profession. Um I'm now a certified coach, speaker mm -hmm. trainer, mm -hmm. um Maxwell team member. Um I also started my own business. Something I said I wasn't inclined to do what in is, Jamaica. What is Maxwell team? So that's John Maxwell. Okay. Right. So um, that's coaching, speaking, and, and, and training. Um, but yeah, I started my own business also. Doing? Um, coaching. Okay. Right. So we do coaching. We do training. Um, and guess where? My target is corporate. So that was the irony of it. I am running from corporates, <laughs> right? The crosses I saw in corporates yeah. and experience. And God just said to me, yes, sweetie, come, let me clean you up. But I'm sending you right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting, but it's also so beautiful. Because when we experience problems, we don't experience them to hide. We experience them to solve them, right. to do something about it. And I never understood until he just said, yes, you're going right back. The very thing that you experienced, the very thing that caused you to run away from it, there are many other persons going through that. Now that you've done this, you're going to go back to help them. Yeah. In fact, you're going to make that journey for them easier because you would have learned from the hard way. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to go back and make it easier for other people. Um, and so now purpose begins to 
come into my life, Sean. So as I say, God started building this new cliff for me. I'm sure it was there because he established it from day one, but I didn't see it. And I had to go through the ups and downs to get to this place. And um, I just see his hand at work. Um, another odd thing that happened was that I was ordained as a pastor last year, April. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Ask me a couple of years ago, if. And I would say, what? Yeah. A what? What is a pastor? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Beside my name? But here I am, Sean. Here I am. You know what's interesting? Um, you spoke about rebuilding, right? And we all grow up with our parents or guardians, whomever not, giving us their best advice based on their best information at that point in time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're doing our best. They're doing their best. They're doing their best. But things and times change. So think about it. Imagine that parent who said, you know, go to school, get an education, work at a very good company, right? Perfect. Step one, step two, step three. You get a job at Google or Amazon. Everything is great. And then you wake up one morning and Google lays off 12,000 people one time. One time. And so it's, it's realizing that this all your parents were trying to do was to show you step one, step two, step three, based on their information yeah. at that point in time. And if the world changes, you are going to have to figure out your step one, step two, step three for your role and for your reality. Yeah. Because there's no way that I can predict what my daughter will go through 20 years from now. It's impossible. Impossible. And so the steps and tools I'm giving her today may be useless in 20 years time. And, Hopefully, she has to. <laughs> I'm giving her some other basic reasoning skills yeah. to be able to say, even though daddy said do X, X is no longer relevant right now. <laughs> Let me go and build some new steps for myself. Yeah. Because the reality is that the world changes yeah. and life changes. And if you if you are living by a 2023 playbook in 2040, you may be taking the wrong steps yeah. or you may be stuck. And it's scary because most of us don't want to go against what our elders taught us. Yeah. But your elders were just doing their best. They were. They were. So, so the playbook, as you mentioned, the playbook. And again, we're having this conversation and we're seeing and we're analyzing our elders, ourselves, the reality. We now have a responsibility to make it different for our kids. Right. By not repeating the same process the elders um, applied. So the playbook... It's important to distinguish what needs to be in the playbook. What happens is that we make um, a religion and a tradition of, of process and not principle. If we are able to capture principle and teach our children principle, then the principle now is expandable and customizable based on what is happening in their reality. But what happens is that, um, you know, I went to school I went to work for the government and I retired and, and that's what it must look like, you know, <laughs> I will fall into this trap to say it's the, the process I went through, you know, um, that must be the standard, but no, it's the principle of it. And so we have to learn to extract, solve for the principle. And that's what we teach our children, you know, um, and that's the mistake 
I say mistake because I think there was enough information for other generations to learn that. Mm. But we still continued to, 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 to transfer processes and putting people in, in frames and you must do this and you must do that. But we see generations overcompensating and rebelling against it. So we still have a problem because the overcompensation still does not detect the principle. It's now just created a different process that's creating another set of problems, right? So again, you and I having this conversation and we're seeing these things, it is how do we extract the principles for this and the next generation? Because we have a responsibility. We cannot predict what life is going to be like in 10 years time. We really can't. It's the principle that they need. It's the virtues that they need. It's the character development that they need. That is, I like that. The process versus the principle. You're right. A lot of people, a lot of us, and I see it in the workplace too. You're, you're in a workplace and um, somebody's doing a task. And you ask him, why are you doing this task? And you're like, I have no idea. I don't know. I was told to do it. I was told. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. So, but what's the output? I just do it. I pass it up down the line. And you're like, okay, cool. And so they are told a process to do day in, day out. They've been paid for that process for the past 10, 15 years. It works. Technically, it works. It does. I do this process. I get paid. It works. Yeah. But they don't understand the principle of what you're actually trying to achieve. Yeah. And that's, I like that. So when teaching our kids or just young people overall or anybody mm-hmm. or giving advice, we should be giving advice on the principle, not the process. Right. So, I mean, we can make reference to process as an example. Mm-hmm. It's like when we look at case studies. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the process that I went through is just for sharing and use an example of how a principle was applied. Right. But the distinction is just so important because we have to ready them to be able to be adaptable in their circumstance. If they don't know the principle, they cannot be adaptable. They're going to try and recreate the process you taught them, and that process is going to be irrelevant. It's not going to help them. And so we owe it to ourselves now and to the next generation to begin to extract the principle because the question is, do we even know what these principles are, Sean? (laughs) Do we know? (laughs) (laughs) Doug, it's funny because when you were saying we owe it to the next generation, we owe it to ourselves first. To ourselves first. Because the reality is is that what we, if, if I'm living my life on a process right now and the environment changes, I'm going to fall tomorrow. So I had to figure out what sort of principle am I really living by so yeah. that I can be adaptable later this year or whatever the case may be. Look at COVID. Yeah. COVID is a grand example. And there are many who say COVID is just the tremor. There are more changes that's mm. going to come. It doesn't take a rocket sense to figure out that more changes are going to come yeah. based on the trajectory of the human race yeah. and what we're doing to each other. So something else is going to come. So COVID was a prep, right? And a lot of persons couldn't cross COVID very well, right? Does it mean that it's a condemnation? No, it's a conviction. It's a wake-up call. It's time for us to say, okay, what did I learn from that period that prevented me from adjusting and adapting well and responding well to the change around me? Um, what do I need? What knowledge do I not have that I now need 
to take me into the future? What are the principles, right? What are the things that are more important right now? And it's for us to stop even now, even now, and say, let me get my house in order. Let me get my house in order. You know, it's interesting. So <clears throat> we see it around us, right, where we are literally living the exact same life we did three years ago. COVID came, we made some changes, and we've gone back to the exact same thing, right? Um, the other day, I was driving, and my daughter saw someone smoking. And she said, die, that person is smoking. I was like, yep, smoking is bad, don't do it. <laughs> she was like, okay, cool. Then 10 seconds later, she was like, do cars smoke? I was like, why would you ask him cars smoke? And she was like, because there's smoke coming out of the back of the car. I was like, yo, you're smart. That's my girl. So I said, yes. And, and she was like, that means that that's bad. I was like, yes, the exhaust of the cars are bad. She was like, okay, cool. Then two seconds later, she said, so why do we drive cars? And I sat back and I was like, you're right. <laughs> we should walk. I was like, you're, you're right, we should walk. <laughs> and what, that's a perfect example of... Yeah. We are so aware of the fact that driving cars is bad. There's not one person who is unaware of that fact. We know it. We yeah. know that every time we press that gas, the exhaust comes out and we're killing our atmosphere. We yeah. are aware. Everybody's dream is to be able to have a, a first or a second or a third home on the beach away from the smog or up in the hills away from the smog because we know it's bad for us. Mm -hmm. But we still drive the car. And so I do wonder if we, as you say, that COVID was just a tremor because our lifestyles since COVID till now, we have got back 100% to our existing lifestyle. Really we haven't changed. Like people are just waiting. We're just waiting. We're just waiting to return to. Exactly. So we really haven't made any conscious changes in how we are negatively impacting the planet mm -hmm. at all. Or even ourselves, Sean. Yeah. So many people spoke about how they needed rest. I remember, you know, I remember talking to people before COVID hits and there was this tiredness. The stress level in corporate had gotten to a level. COVID came. <laughs> then there was the work from home. Mm -hmm. People got a breather. Then they started complaining about the work from home. And then now we're back to normal and people literally have gone back mm. to the hustle and bustle. Exactly. Some people have learned mm. and some people try to, you know, um, put in their boundaries and, you know, dedicate time. But generally, it's, it's back to normal. Peak hour traffic at five o'clock, how much hours in the traffic, same way. It's still a shock to my system because there was three years of light traffic. Yeah. And now when you're on the road, you're like, why are there so how many cars on the road? <laughs> yeah, how do we get back here? But to your point, so yes, I may have changed some of my habits, but if the overall corporate structure hasn't changed, they're going to want to see butts in seats in the office. Yeah, That has to happen. So some people are getting away with work from home, but the structure of corporate hasn't changed. No. How we rate performance, how we appraise employees, all of that... It hasn't. It didn't. They didn't take the last three years to figure out. Okay, let's implement a remote working appraisal system or a remote working monitoring system. They didn't. Right, right. So nothing has changed. And you're right. And and the monitoring system is important because people say, yeah, when they're not, when you can't see them at the desk, they're not going to do the work. You know, they're wasting time. So it's not 
to depend on seeing. Exactly. Spending a day watching people is a waste of time. How else can we motivate and yeah. monitor and track um, performance? And, and the truth is that takes work, mm-hmm. right? That takes this alert to say, all right, we can't go forward with the old. We have to um, come up with something new, you know, get the people together. That takes work. And not that I'm giving credit. If you're not seeing the vision, it's hard for you to put in the work. Correct. You know, if you're still being short-sighted and not long-term in your outlook, then you're not going to put in the work. And I think that's what has happened to a lot of us. Oh, I've lost profit. We need to get back profits. The best way to get back profit is to go back to how you did business. But then you haven't thought about, and the next 10 years, when the next crisis hits, you're going to go through the same exact process the same way. Mm-hmm. So we've really caused a lot of this on ourselves by choosing to be very short term in our approach still choosing to do business the old way right um not allowing innovation and creativity to kick in and let me just add one more now we're dealing with gen x and millennials and people are having problems with them there's nothing wrong with them Correct. Correct. <laughs> Something Correct. is wrong with us. Correct. We're not learning. <laughs> I laugh because it. I remember seeing an article that said that you know we, from an auditory point of view, were unable to really accept or appreciate new music after like nineteen or something like that. And I think it's the same with many things mm. where there's a point in time where we're just stuck. We're yeah. just stuck and how we operate is based on that. The good of it is that we're able to process things faster because we have a routine. The bad is that we're stuck. We're stuck in the routine. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so when you have these younger persons coming up with a new routine or a default is, oh, it's bad. It's not good. Yeah. No, it's it's that's a new routine. That literally is the new method that will be the method for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. And so how do we tap into it? How do we motivate them based on how they're operating? Yeah. How do we say, and I see where, you know, I, in my mind, I believe that we're under, what's the word called? We're under the edge of persons who want to go to work and, and go to work because they want to mm-hmm. and persons who go to work because we feel to. And I think the new generation goes to work because they feel to. And I, when they feel to. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't feel loved. I don't feel appreciated. Therefore, I'm not going to go to work. You, I cannot work here if you're not appreciating me. Yeah. And I think deep down, we get it. We're like, yeah, I want to be appreciated too. But they were like, yeah, but for the past 30 years, <laughs> I wasn't okay. appreciated. So calm down. Yeah. But if, if you thought about it, nobody wants to go to work and not feel appreciated. Yeah. At the core of it, that's what we wanted, but we never got it. So we look at them like, how dare you want it? I yeah. just start working. That's how it should be. We should want to appreciate people. Yeah. But we, we never got it. You know what I think too? I think, um, so you notice we're talking about a lot about what is natural for us. And it's, it's becoming so much clearer to me that we can't be comfortable with the natural. 
because the natural is not going to take us to a progressive place. Neither does it help the, the next generation. So it's not an anti-natural. It's more, uh, how do you subdue that part of you and ensure that that's not the part that's running your life, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing. Um, but we're talking about the, the next generation and how they, they are overcompensating for the very issues that we have. And do we pause? Do we stop? Do we try to learn from them? Um, I believe that every time we see and every time that we live and we're able to witness, it's always an opportunity to do something. You know, you missed a lot of boats behind, but you have one now. You know, we're talking about the now. Um, you have an opportunity now. If you still just shove your hand and say, no, we're just going to stick to what I know and do it how I've always done it, then nothing will be done. But then there is fear, and I get it. There is fear that I don't know. So if if tomorrow we shifted, if tomorrow the entire world shifted from using Windows to Apple or Apple to Windows, yeah. I don't think anybody naturally doesn't like either product, but it's different. Yeah. And there's a fear of, I'm going to be left behind. Yeah. And so if this new generation is coming in saying that we're going to work from home and I'm struggling to use Microsoft Word, right. it's going to be like, I'm going to be left behind. And yeah. so it's, it's also survival. Yeah. It's survival. It is, I spent 20 years learning this system. I can't change right now. And learning to change is no longer my priority. My priority is I'm, I'm living, life. living life, retirement. Retiring. I want to take care of my kids and up, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so now you want me to learn something totally new. It's, it's scary. It, it is scary. And the reason why it's scary is because it's going to rock the boat. Yeah. And our natural minds, our natural brain doesn't want the boat rock. And again, it's the reason why we have to stop living natural. If we continue doing what is natural, we're going to continue downhill. Mm -hmm. I think if it's one thing that has become clear out of our conversation, all these things, it's natural, it's natural. And the natural is not working for us. Um, But there's another thing um, that I wanted to say before that just came back again. The fear arises because we also have a desire to defend, right? And there is also a natural inclination to be selfish. And we see it in the workplace. We don't want to share information. You know, everybody's a threat. Everybody won't come take a job. When we were all meant to work together to be a part, the parts that make up the whole, and that's the only way we can progress. <laughs> but instead, the parts are fighting the parts, yeah. and we're not progressing, and life is becoming harder. And so, the natural response is to be defensive, to be protective, to to think about the me, mine, you know, myself, and what I've done, and what what is me, and everything, and you miss the point again, that we're slowly going downhill together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The natural 
is not supposed to be in the driver's seat. The purpose of the natural is to support and to reinforce routines, as we say, the natural mind and building habits. But if the natural leads, then routine becomes your all the time. And that's not progress. That's not advancement. Advancement, by definition, means there has to be new. There has to be change. So the natural of us can't lead that. It can't relate to new. And so until we stop being natural (laughs) and start living as natural beings, then we're really not going to come out of this problem. It's interesting. So while you were speaking, I was thinking about just us being us as animals right in the in the forest right (laughs) if you think about it animals do this naturally so if it is that they always go to the river to catch their breakfast to catch a fish in the morning and the fish realize that they keep on dying the fish stop swimming that way in the morning Mm -hmm. and naturally animals will change where they go because they're, they're realizing that okay if i go to this spot every day there's no more fish here i'll go to a different spot they keep on having to change in order to get their meal but for some reason we have become maybe domesticated where the routine of i get up i go to work i go home i get up i go to work i come home that cycle is is working for us in quotes but what happens when the cycle changes what happens when we get up and go to work and there's no work there Mm -hmm. we don't have the wherewithal sometimes adjust. to adjust yeah. which is our natural animal instincts we normally in, in the wild we would have adjusted but when it comes to the workplace it's if you get up and you go to supermarket a and the food run out you're going to go to supermarket b mm-hmm. you know to keep on going to supermarket a over and over again <laughs> right Hoping you're not going to do praying. that <laughs> but when it comes to the work world if there's any shifting change if if you're 40 to 50 and somebody who is 21 comes in with a new idea, it's like, no, no, no. Where does alien drop from? <laughs> exactly. Do your time. Exactly. <laughs> Calm yourself. Exactly. <laughs> because there's an expectation that I want to go and do the exact same thing for the next 20 years to keep my space safe. Selfish, and you will do again. anything to defend. To defend that. It's selfish, you're right. It's, 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 it's the heart of 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 a lot of what we do selfishness but yet still god is a god of love so in this corporate so let's look back to our parent generation they would have been able to go and work at the bank or the university because everything was one apparently back in the day right one bank <laughs> and one university right our government you or, work for government, government right <laughs> for to retirement retirement. right that's not our reality and so my question is how does someone because naturally as we get older our reluctance to change is going to happen that's that's natural right how does one welcome you welcome change welcome the young people while simultaneously being able to always always be fed Mm-hmm. because the reality is, is that young people are going to come for your position that's yeah. that's normal yeah. right yeah. um especially private companies are going to have massive layoffs because technology and times change mm-hmm. so how do you 
for lack of a better word, stay relevant as time progresses. Right. Um, and that's a that's a that's a a tough question, not in terms of the answer. Mm-hmm. It's a tough question because of all of what is natural mm-hmm. and working against <laughs> us. Right. Um, so step back. Step back from your circumstance, your reality, and just go back and look at humanity as a whole. Um, if we're able to just dress back, Sean, and just look at the picture, we will realize that there is no me that makes sense. It's a we. And the we is not just the people around you right now. The we is also the people that have gone before you and the people that are coming in the future. So when you're in a job and you're holding back from passing to the next generation, you don't realize you're sabotaging your own kids. Right? If you don't recognize that someone worked hard for you to get where you are, you have a role to work hard and pass a baton onto the next generation because we're interconnected and interdependent. If you miss that, then you miss the whole purpose. We can't escape the interdependence. Hence why even doing your best, you are affected by what's happening in your nation. Mm -hmm. You're affected by what your neighbor does because we're interconnected. And so if we come out of this selfish me um, approach and look at it in a realistic but a global way and we recognize, but hold on, I am in this with everybody. There is no escaping it. No man is an island and we depend on each other. Then your approach is going to change. If you look at yourself and you remember that 20 years ago, you probably, I hope you weren't, doing the same thing that you're doing now. Um, but even from childhood, yeah. you would have grown. Yeah. Who told you that your brain doesn't work? It's harder. The natural parts of you wants to retire, you want to kick back, you want to watch Netflix every night and eat KFC <laughs> maybe, and that's joy and fun. But who says your brain can't continue working? Who says that there's a ceiling? We were talking about ceiling yeah, earlier. Yeah. Who says that the ceiling was reached so a lot of us and the truth is this is also about culture because our education system doesn't necessarily promote this kind of thinking the education system feeds into a natural living yeah you know it feeds into the process type living and not the principle um ensuring that the principles are laid down into the next generation so you are actually at a disadvantage because also your context, your environment, your culture also supports the very thing that's not helping humanity. And so it's the, the wake up. So you say, how do you? Well, we're having conversations like this. And in having the conversation, everybody who hears this begins to say, hmm, that makes sense. So the question is, what do you do after you realize it makes sense? Do you go back in your situation and say, I need to do this differently. I need to relate to the millennials in my workplace differently. I need to 
put the selfishness aside because I realize I'm dependent and connected to everybody else. So their success is automatically my success. You know, do we make that adjustment? That's the only way. Do you stop putting restraints on your brain and on yourself and say to yourself, no, I really can't do this. I like that. It's it's interesting because I think that naturally, naturally we are followers, right? And so if you think about it, when we were growing up, it was common entrance. And I remember going to extra lessons for common entrance because Mr. Abrams. Hope Mr. Abrahams. <laughs> because how could you in the world of life manage math, English mental and mental ability <laughs> for one exam? You have to go to extra lessons to survive. <laughs> Right, or yes. life will come to one end, right? Though the same eleven-year-olds know how many years later are doing maths and English and science, and all kind, kind of stuff, right? So clearly, we were able to do it then, but we just weren't straight. We were following whatever the system said. That's right. As, as you spoke, I thought to myself, "Wow!" So if our society, right, had a structure where between twenty to forty the society was built for you to work corporate and in 40 to 60 everybody went to start their business then 60 to 80 everybody did something else that would be the norm mm-hmm. and so therefore instead of being 40 45 50 um upset that the young people coming in the natural progression be oh i'm 45 i should be starting my own business now make room for the young people make room for the young people. they're prepared then it's but we're just following our structure which is you work till they retire. Yeah. And yeah. so therefore, everything else seems scary. Not because it, it actually is scary, but it's just what we're used to. Yeah. And what, we have, what the structure, the system has developed around us. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. So you ask me what else we need to do? Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Program yourself to embrace the uncomfortable. Because the minute you find that you're seeking comfort, you're going back to natural. You're going back to selfish. We have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable and actually pursue, you know, because isn't that what risk is also? Mm -hmm. And if you don't take risks, how are you going to get higher returns, right? Of course, we're talking about measured risk. We're not going at the (laughs) the next extreme of things, right? We're talking about finding that middle ground in everything, that balance in everything. But comfort is an issue. Yeah. It's comfort is an issue, and there are things that we have been trained that naturally makes us feel comfortable. Yeah. So an example is you always see in the newspaper, company A or company B, has all this money owing to NWC or to JPS or to Flora Digicel, right? Mm-hmm. Yet still, we have been trained that if we do pay our bills every month, we're going to feel bad. Yeah. And so, for you to take a leap of faith to walk down the mountain and not have a job, etc., maybe you can't pay all the bills this month. That's going to be okay. The corporate people do it. You can do it as well. No, I'm not advocating that, but I'm right, just saying right. that you have to know how to be uncomfortable and to work the system yeah. in order to take your next leap. Yeah. Because if you want to stay in your comfort zone and pay all your bills each month, you will never take your leap. You'll be stuck to this job and you will never 
take the risk that other people are doing. Well, I mean, and and maybe at your funeral, you'd want to hear she paid all of her bills (laughs) on time. Most people not really, you're not really, that's not what you want. And even (laughs) even just stopping Sean and saying to yourself, hold on, I am living a life that doesn't even measure up with my childhood dreams. Yes. I am, I've been living a life that is not even genuine yeah. to myself. 10-year-old Sean will be upset with me. 10-year-old Sean will be upset. Yeah. So we're, we're even in this mode and don't realize that we're even cheating ourselves. Yeah. That's what the comfort zone, that's what the natural does. It, it literally boxes us in. If you think about it, when you ask somebody, are they doing okay? They say, but I can pay all my bills, I'm surviving. Yeah, mama, good. Versus, I am living my dreams, I'm happy. <laughs> Once you can pay your bills, you're surviving. But that's not, that wasn't the goal. That the goal wasn't, wasn't the to goal. pay your <laughs> You know, I paid my bills. <laughs> here, here lies Shari. He pays all the bills on time. Oh my God, this what is, a beautiful life. <laughs> that's it. I've never thought about it that way before. So question, what made you want to write books? What made me want to write books? Did I want to write books? Genuinely, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but... God laid it on my heart. Um, and he also shifted my perspective of life and my role in changing things now, as well as helping the next generation. And one of the ways we capture principles, um, we relay our stories is by writing, you know, documenting. Um, maybe years down the line, somebody else will take up this book and it will be meaningful mm-hmm. to them. And so part of it is the capture of my journey. Part of it is the capture of the principles that I've learned along the journey. Mm-hmm. So I can share it with somebody else so that they don't have to take the exact steps I took. So imagine if all of us are learning lessons, Sean, and we are able to capture the principles and teach the next generation, then they don't have to repeat the mistakes. Yeah. But we don't think like that all the time, right? So the writing is also about that. Um, the writing is also, it's also for me in, in even seeing and recognizing God's faithfulness and God's hand in my journey. Um, am I a writer? A couple years ago, I'd say no. My mom um, was a librarian and she couldn't understand why her daughter didn't like reading. <laughs> 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 right? So she should be really happy now to see I'm actually writing yeah. books. And the interesting thing, Sean, I actually now enjoy it. It's not easy for me. It takes effort, but because the, the the purpose is bigger than myself and I know why I have to do it, it gives you the, the motivation to actually endure the uncomfortable, to push through. In fact, just ignore the uncomfortable because you have a goal mm-hmm. in mind and a purpose in mind. Um, and so it's part to leave that legacy. It's part to capture the journey because it's a testimony also um and it's also to encourage people who find themselves at the same place you know so like the opening of my book quite a few people 
have read the beginning page, the first section of the book, and say, this spoke to me. Because I spoke about the state I was in, mm -hmm. you know, that led me to take that leap of faith. And persons could identify with it. You know, and, and again, the book is like a weird name, but I couldn't capture it as much as it was important to self-lead. You see, this thing that we're talking about, um, coming out of the comfortable and into the uncomfortable zone, um, recognizing what is natural and choosing to go against what is natural at times when it is called for, um, knowing that even selfishness is an automatic response, but choosing to go against that because you know it won't benefit you nor the next generation nor your family, that's what self-leadership is. It's taking that small step at the right time, which is a faith step also. And this is where God comes in. When you take the step, he comes into the space with you. And so you're not the only one now continuing it, but you have to start it. You have to be intentional. You have to be decisive. You have to say, no, I want change. And I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to play my part. And that's what self-leadership is. I like when you said that um, two things. One, when people read the intro to the book, it spoke to them. I think that that's such an important thing. I think a lot of people are going through things. And because they choose not to share out of various reasons, they feel alone. Yeah. And when they realize that other people are going through it too, it gives them a sense of comfort. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and the second thing you said, which I think was funny, is that when you spoke about the need to learn from other people, and for some reason, we get in our heads that we must do things on our own. <laughs> we must stand on our own two feet. Two yeah. feet yeah. Not realizing that quite literally as simple as it, as it is a road sign that says stop is somebody helping you somebody went ahead realize that if you don't stop right here it may be danger right. so we're going through our lives getting help consistently from other people but we fool ourselves the thinking i have to do it on my own mm -hmm. and nobody don't know me i got you exactly exactly yeah. And I think that that's the easiest way to feel othered when you don't feel as if what you're going through is, is normal. Yeah. And we don't want to get help from others. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the pastoral side of me has to come out. Mm -hmm. Where one of the wake-up calls um, that we also have to recognize, Sean, is... It's a hostile environment and not just natural. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritually hostile environment. And many of us don't want to necessarily talk about spiritual stuff, um, but avoiding it doesn't eliminate it, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Everything starts in the spirit realm before mm -hmm. it even manifests in the natural. And a lot of us don't know enough about the spirit realm. Right. So we we avoid it. We don't we don't learn about it. We don't talk about it. But it doesn't change the fact that it exists and it doesn't change the fact that there is a hostile environment. Um, and so we are driven 
in two directions. Remember when we're going, when we're kids and we watch cartoon, and you always see somebody thinking, and there is the the one on the right, and mm. there is the one on the left, and mm. the one always red yeah. with a fork in him hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that principle is so true. Every single day, we are contemplating a part of us that looks out for good mm -hmm. and a part of us that goes for, we say bad, but selfishness, yeah. gratification, yeah. you know, individual, individualistic approach to things. Mm -hmm. um, and if we don't recognize that every single day we are battling between those two, then we're never, ever going to be able to make that decision to say, no. I'm going to choose good. Mm -hmm. Right? Flow is what is natural. Flow is what is what governs the world, which is a lot of selfishness. Mm -hmm. So by default, when we go with the flow, oftentimes it's a self selfish response. Yeah. Yeah. And if we don't realize, hold on, this is selfish. This is not the good thing to do. This is not the just thing to do. This mm -hmm. is not the right thing to do. I'm going to go against the tide. Then nothing changes. So we have to wake up. We literally have to wake up to the reality that we exist in. We need to wake up to the fact that natural is not it. Natural was not meant to lead us, to be the pioneer part of us. We need to wake up to the fact that our selfishness is destroying us as a human race and as a people it's there's something you said a while ago i said the you know left and right on your shoulders trying to convince you i think that sometimes we don't we don't realize that those spirits are at play all the time oh. we think about it in in for large things yeah for for things that maybe see as a big thing yeah Versus every little act, every little decision every day can end up leading you down the wrong road. Every, yeah. You know, and so you have to be extremely, extremely aware yeah. consistently to hopefully keep yourself on the right path. To stay on the right path. You're so right. It's it's the someone has offended me. I need to defend myself mm -hmm. as opposed to hold on. A week from now when I look back at this. You know, what would I want the outcome to look like? In any case, make the what make the boy go on. Make the yeah. girl go on. This is this it's is not a big deal. It's not that what serious. am I defending? You know, and we end up falling into the trap of oh them diss you, them disrespect you, you have to teach a man fee, you know, kind of a thing, or you have to set the standard straight because how dare them? Mm -hmm. And then you end up going down that path. You end up going down that path. Yeah. And it's a trap. That's true. <laughs> trust me offense hey <laughs> it's a trap yeah. and we don't realize and again we're not learning so you've written two books you've walked on one cliff <laughs> right climbing Climb a new one right. <laughs> <laughs> so two things the first thing is what would you have told yourself um Emil, what, what advice would you give yourself or give young people My advice comes from a scripture, not because I'm being pastoral, but because time has proven it to be true. Mm -hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I, I sought what 
I thought was more important. And uh, having gotten a lot of it because as, as successful mm-hmm. as a corporate person, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was enjoying the benefits of my education and having a position um, at the executive level. But I couldn't enjoy it, Sean, because as a miss. And then you realize, hold on, but you can have all of these things that seem great, but you still can't enjoy it, and it still can't give you nor fill that void inside of you. And though we want it because it's attractive, it's enjoyable, the truth is you won't be able to enjoy it and be at peace with it until certain things are put in place first. And so that verse about seeking the kingdom of God and righteousness, you know, right standing with God, but also living right with each other, you know, then all the things will be added onto you. So my advice is to do that because in seeking the kingdom, a lot of the the wake up also happens, you know, a lot of the awareness um, or non-awareness is challenged. Um, God is very current and if you pursue him, then it is hard for you not to also change. So we are behind the curveball, like mm-hmm. wooly, wooly. Mm-hmm. But if you now walk with God, he actually helps to catch you up, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it is, that would be my thing more than anything else to, to not try to do it how you think it should be done or even how society says it should be done, you know, those lead to some traps. Yeah. And you can talk to many persons who are working, are successful, but when you look at the quality of life, when you look at the state of being, a lot of assets on the outside, but you're pumping smoke all day long to survive, that doesn't make sense. Everything outside looking good, but you are deteriorating yeah. as a human being yeah. physically, de- dealing with disease and ailments and all kind of things to survive. There's a contradiction there. Yeah. You know, and it's to wake up and recognize that, listen, there is a order to life. And the first thing is to seek God and allow him to help you to put the rest of life in order. Yeah. That. I think that, you know, naturally we look at what we've been told success is and we like, wow, that person has this, they have that, they're climbing the ladder, etc. And if we were able to get a peek into their reality, you'd realize how unhappy they are. Uh, Unfortunately, right, that's why you have some of them committing suicide and doing drugs and overdosing, etc., because if you realize it, they're probably just not that happy on the inside. Yeah. Um, not everybody, obviously, but all that glitters isn't gold. And, you know, but I guess it's like, how do you change? How do you, if, if you if you have been told as a child, you have to climb to be the CEO in order to be happy. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of work on that and change that and, and craft what what are your goals. Are your goals to be in meetings from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. and miss your child's life? Yeah. Or are your goals to go to swimming with your child or whatever? Like you have to spend the time to reframe what you really want to happen in your life and realize that 
they, if you can be the CEO and go to this to game at the same time, great. Great. <laughs> but if you can't, which one is your it's priority? priority? Right. There you go. And that's hard. It's it, it's hard. Um, but I think one of the easiest or probably the best way is to stop. Just stop now. Open your eyes. Look around. Look around. Come out of the pattern. Come out of the, the routine and just stop. Look at our nation. Look at what is happening around us. Clearly, the world has it wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Clearly. You're right. It's not the working. The world has it. It's not it's working. It's not working. And there is a YouTube video I watched some time ago where they asked some people who had um, terminal illnesses, you know, advice. Oh, yes. And they all said the same thing. They spent time with people you love. They said, running out the money, running out the job, running out. They said that literally is not going to make you happy. Yeah. And all of them, especially the men, because traditionally that's what our society Providers. teaches, right? Mm. You have to go there and provide. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, what's the word called? It's a pull because on one hand, you do want to provide, but the reality is if you have to go there and provide and get the money, you're going to miss out on home. Yeah. And it's not that you want to miss out on home, but you have to provide. And they all said they would have given up half their pay to spend more time at home. Wow. And it's like Wow. Yeah. Oh. And wow. and you know, they're walking around with a nice car and, and life is good and nice house, but inside they regret that mm. they didn't spend time with their kids. Or they regret that they missed all of these things. And yeah. now their child is a teenager. They don't, they don't care about them anymore. They don't, yeah. You know. But I mean, but we see it on the other side too, where you work really, really hard. You provide everything for your kids. Materially. Materially. And you have a conversation with them and all the kids are saying, I just wish I could spend some time with my mom. Yeah, yeah. And they grow up with mommy and daddy issues, attachment yeah. issues. And you say, but was it really worth it? And the truth is, Sean, you wanted well. Yeah. Your intentions were good. Correct. And this is why we have to wake up because it's not because our intentions are bad. Mm -hmm. We are locked in a cycle that is a trap. Yeah. And until we wake up and realize this is not even respecting, honoring, even who I want to be and who I want, what I want to do as a person, this world thing isn't working. Yeah. There has to be another way, and there is another way. It's not the most attractive way. <laughs> yeah. Up front. Yeah. In the end, it is the most attractive way. Yeah. But up front, it's not the glitter and gold. You know, with yeah. Christi with, with, with the kingdom, you work first and you reap. But we know this principle, sow, then reap. Right? And that's how the kingdom is designed you work up front and then you reap now how the world works and how the enemy works glitters and gold up front satisfy all your needs but it doesn't give you the fine print but later on you're gonna be destroyed i thought about it the other day i said to myself okay um depending on where you live and where your kids go to school you may have to leave your house at six o'clock in the morning to avoid traffic. right 
and sit there for you. Wake up at five, five thirty. Everybody is groggy. Nobody's that good at that point <laughs> in time. So therefore, if you get to spend half an hour in the morning with your kids, it's that quality half an hour. Maybe they're sleeping in the car or they're sleep or you drop off at the bus stop. There's no quality time in the morning. So that's dead. And then in the evenings no, maybe you get home at seven, um, spend an hour and a half eating, they're rushing homework. And so on an average work day, if you're lucky, you make it half an hour mm-hmm. of quality time Ten. with your kids. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, going back to what you said earlier, 10 year old you would have never thought that that's what you wanted to spend a maximum of half an hour quality time with your kids. Yeah. And so, yes, we want to go to work and make the money, but is that a sacrifice of spending half an hour with your kids each day? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. You're not even talking about yeah. the marriages because <laughs> that that's too. under pressure. That too, that too, that too. And it's yeah. crazy to think that there are things that we all want that are and we wanted to achieve. We're all sacrificing. For them. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. But it, in the end, they end up suffering. Yeah. 100%. Because what is most important is not what you end up pursuing. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, okay, and now we're in 2023. <laughs> you are on this journey for four years now. What's next for you? So, um, a lot of things. I'm writing a third book. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's very cool. I'm writing a third book. Um, and I'm also um, branching out into different areas of, of ministry stroke service. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my entire life now is ministry, basically. I, I, I work for God, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And I'm not, I don't mean pastorally mm-hmm. only. Um, I work for God. And um, so starting worship coaching, mm-hmm. um, especially for believers, um, we talk about all of what's happening in the world. Even as believers, we're suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and even to maintain that constant um, connection to God, most times it's just a Sunday thing. People barely having devotions during the week. Mm-hmm. But a, a Sunday connection once a week thing is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so there's an area that God has led me into, which is now worship coaching, helping people to cultivate that intimacy. Um, helping, helping people to find Him so that you can find His secret place. Right? and access secrets that we need to know that will help us in life and help us to beat the systems of the world. Um, there is also more broadcasting. So I'm doing this with you, but um, on my end, I'm also doing stuff, talking more you know, about the, the things that matter, the reality checks, helping people to wake up, to recognize, giving tips, um, techniques, um, talking about the things that may not be spoken about in a church setting, um, all aimed at helping to reform the way that we live, how we relate to each other and how we do business. So that is my mission. And it, it has different ways in which it will be, um, accomplished. And, um, I'm just enjoying how it's just unpacking right now. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you want to dive into a similar What Next episode, 
check out the links in the podcast description or head to the whatnextpodcast.com. And remember, make it your mission to make somebody else's day better.